Hi, and welcome back to The K-Hole. I'm Merit Kay, and joining me this week is uh, a, a guest uh, who I've known for, wow, a long time, by internet years, at least. Uh, it's the one and only Chingy Nia, who you may know as the gay Chingy from online. Hi there. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. I'm the gay Chingy. <laughs> yeah, the gay one. Um, it's so good to talk to you again. It's been a while. I feel like you were on my old show years yeah, and years ago. A very long time ago. I was still living in like Oakland. Yeah, we've yeah. known each other a while. Wow. We go back to uh, to Tumblr, the deep lore, the deep web. <laughs> Truly. Uh, we've all grown a lot since then. Uh, and thank God well, for that. In ways. I mean, I've grown in ways. In other ways, I've regressed, I think. But um, yeah, that's it's. I feel like the internet is a much different place now than it was, God, that would have been almost 10 years ago. Kind of feels like it was the Wild West back then in like a, a set in like a mostly good way. It's funny you say that because like to me, the, you know, the heyday or like the wild west or whatever you want to call it of the internet was even before that it was uh it was muds and forums which is something that i've talked about a lot with people on this show but uh it was different this was pre-tumblr porn oh now. yeah no i i remember forums too mm -hmm. um but yeah tumblr was just sort of this hot spot for disaffected socially awkward and uh assorted other like young people and like queers and of course that all changed when tumblr decided to to ban porn um yeah i can't imagine being on there now it's like they got rid of everyone interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i haven't touched that site in years and years um and it's funny because i mean we don't have to get into this because it's exhausting, but the the fact that Tumblr banned porn, I think someone could look at that from the outside and just be like, "Well, yeah, of course. Like, that's you know, it's a, if it's a family site or whatever, or if it's just not like a, you know, a, a porn site, then I can see why they'd want to ban porn." And at the same time, I feel like what we've seen over the course of like internet history uh, is that when sex is censored, it's often certain kinds of people who like are disproportionately affected and um that sort of happens every june as well <laughs> when we talk about <laughs> what pride means and what it means um to be in public and be on display and what it means to have sex uh both have sex you know and to to have sexuality on display, like in the public sphere. Yeah, and um, like take up space with it. Right. Are you totally exhausted by those conversations yet? Uh, yeah, I am. I mean, I, I I wrote something about it like two years ago, and that's why yeah. I just at this point don't really have conversations about it. Like I'll make jokes about it, but I'm not going to like have new conversations because there aren't new conversations. It's the same conversations being had over and over, and it's like we get it. You don't want to see freaks. You don't want like people to be weird there or be horny there. But like, 
I don't know. It just feels like trying to like sweep all the undesirables under the rug. <laughs> and it's funny, you said that there are no new conversations or new arguments. I think what happens in these kinds of spaces is that the people who have had these conversations get tired of it and age out of it and decide, I don't actually need to be talking about this. Um because it doesn't really matter. But then <laughs> the people who haven't had those conversations come in and are like, oh, I have thought about this. And just like the people before them sort of come into this space and like are repeating the same things over and over again. And it's kind of tragic, but at the same time, it's like when you're in the trenches of like an intra-community argument like this, after a while, I feel like it's natural to just say, I'm good, actually. And it doesn't matter. Like at this point, my my take is it does not matter what people on Twitter think about what should be happening at Pride events because A, they're probably not going to be there and B, they're I'm probably not, not going to be there yeah. either. So I don't <laughs> care. Um, like it's, it's just strange that we've brought back the sex wars, you know? Yeah, um, like lesbian sex wars for the 21st century. It's... Yeah, it's like it does feel like uh like new blood comes in and then they're like, "Oh, no one is talking about this. Let's talk about this." And like we just need like a note pinned to like or like an essay pinned to the corkboard, but it just doesn't feel like we actually have a corkboard. Just be like, <laughs> "Hey, we actually already talked about this. Um so if you're going to come in, just talk about something different." Like or like, just yeah, like here's, 95 the, here's the notes, here's the reading materials. Yeah, exactly. We should just See, have a, a course syllabus, but like yeah. a cultural syllabus. Right. It's. I mean, it's that question of like transferring knowledge. It's really hard. And then I think in any group of people, younger people are always going to assume that like they know what's up and that older people don't. I think that's pretty natural. I think I have been that person too. Um why do you think this, the sex wars are back? Um, they, why, why are we having a reboot of the sex wars? I mean, I don't know. I feel like just like more access, weirdly, like because like everything is more visible now because of the internet and pe more people can see things. Like honestly, I think the like kink at pride arguments for 2021 are like way larger than they even were like when I wrote an essay about it for them in like 2019 um uh them the website uh, <laughs> um but also for them for them to read um but uh and I just feel like I don't like I feel like some of the people arguing are like young queers who like mostly grew up in like fandom circles and are like not exposed to like much queer culture outside of like pop culture and it's like very sanitized and also tumblr which is like a hub for fandom is also very sanitized and like now that porn is gone like that was that really like ruined like i hadn't been on tumblr for years either but i think that really ruined like the mentality of that website um and the cultures in it um but it's also like straight people or like respectable gays like just being like oh the freaks are at it again let's not 
have them like I don't know they're like bad representation or whatever it's hard because on some level I get it you know like yeah I I get it wanting to be normal is like such a strong pull and Mm -hmm. I think I didn't get that when I was a kid watching like x-men cartoons and stuff where everyone's just like I just want to be normal. I'm like, why would you want to be normal? You have superpowers. <laughs> um, but as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, being normal has this powerful allure to it. Because um, life is slightly less crushing. Life is slightly less crushing. Um, you have more of a roadmap. You also just feel less vulnerable. Like, I I get it. I, I find myself betraying sometimes my my like you know ostensible philosophies and like politics because i'm so seduced by the idea of like no you could just be normal like you said there's a road map there's like an outline of what you're supposed to do and like how things are supposed to look yeah exactly and and you know i will admit that sometimes i will see people acting in such a way that i think wow, you're really making us, whoever us is, look bad. Um, And if maybe if you weren't out here making us look bad, then people wouldn't hate us as much. And then I catch myself and I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, Yeah, like they're going to hate us. People are just looking for reasons. And there may be people who are cringe, but there are all kinds of people who are cringe and being cringe shouldn't, you know, you should be allowed to be cringe. I think also probably you should, we should all worry less about other people being cringe because it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. I think cringe is like a very like strangely poignant way to like wrap it up in like i feel like everyone's just afraid of looking bad and at this point the way that we best know how to describe that is cringe like i don't know like there's like yeah you could be like not shitty but that doesn't make you less cringe worthy and like there's nothing wrong with like doing things that are kind of cringe i don't know like i i know uh davy davis wrote like an essay for their newsletter david about uh like how cringe and like kink are like really tied up in each other and like how like sex like people's conception of like sex and desire is also just generally like caught up in cringe i don't remember what the name of the essay was i think it was had something to do with 50 shades of gray but yeah just like this conception of cringe i think has really captured a lot of us and like worrying about being cringe and also like being annoyed with others for being cringe which is like also a reasonable reaction it's just i don't know i feel like it overtakes us a lot I think to some extent 
the challenge of sex and of just intimacy is putting aside those fears of of being cringe or of um, looking stupid. Yeah, uh, I think it's all uh, about it's getting like, per- past perception. Yeah, like it's about um, participating fully, right? Which you can't do if you are criticizing yourself or if you're taking a perspective on yourself. And I think that's easier for some people than others. Certain people are more trained to constantly take an outside perspective on themselves and to to constantly be judging, like, do I look okay? Am I doing this right? Am I like, is everything like in place? Right. I mean, I think that falls back into the whole normie thing, which is like, uh, like, am I like falling into like the rules of even what it means to like be able to be normal and like, just like, like the more, the more like normal you are, the less like oppressions or whatever that you have on you, like the less you have to worry about how normal you look or like how normal you can seem. And like, I don't know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We, it's oh, something like that. This is a good, that's a good thing to remember because sometimes I forget that like, m- you know, my perceptions of what is like normal or like okay or embarrassing or or not are shaped by that stuff. And I let certain people get away with a lot more in my head than other people. And it's like, well, oh, all that stuff is just based on social hierarchies. Yeah. Like, oh, hot people are allowed to get away with a lot more cringe behavior because they're hot. We are. We are, <laughs> we are allowed to do that. Yeah, that's true. I'm Pretty so happy privileged. for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like there's, you know, other things too, like race and and gender and stuff. Um, that's like one of the more subtle ways that stuff comes into play of just like, certain people are are allowed to be cringe in a way that doesn't speak for or like can't be explained by who they are i guess that's what i'm trying to say like you can't like you know um someone could be being like a big sex dork or whatever and I, i know you know what i mean by that but just you know someone who is just being really kind of obnoxiously horny or like being like let me talk about sex um, because Let no me one, use my no platform to talk about sex. Right. No, we're not allowed to talk about sex. And it's like, it's 2021. We've been expected to talk about sex since the Victorian era, but go off, I guess. But, um, you know, there are certain people who can do that. And I'm just like, ah, okay, well, you're just being kind of annoying. And then there are some people who I'm like, oh, that is so typical of of you and, and you know, your whole deal. Um, yeah. Like, oh, straight people doing that. Okay, fine. It's just like whatever. But like queer people doing it, it's like, oh, okay. And then I have to catch myself and be like, hey, wow, where did that come from? Because yeah. that's pretty poisonous to to think that. Yeah. I mean, look, I like, I even worry about being like cringe a lot of the time. Like when I see other people being cringe, I'm like, wait, is that how people see me? Because like. I goof around a lot and I'm also like very earnest and I'm also very open about my sex life on the internet. And I'm like, always like, I hope I'm not doing this in a cringe way. And then at the end of the day, I'm also just like, who cares? Like if people don't. Who cares? 
hurts. don't want to engage with this, then like they don't have to. I don't need. I need everybody to like me, but I don't need everybody to like me. Like, <laughs> like it's not the end of the world. I don't think anyone ever looked back on their life and thought, "Oh, I wish I had been less cringe." Me on my deathbed. God, <laughs> all that cringe. Oh, those posts were really cringe. And I'm not saying like flout all social conventions just for the sake of it, because that's obnoxious in its own way. But I think, you know, I for one could stand to be less worried about this stuff because it doesn't matter. And like, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help you either. It doesn't advance the plot, you know? Yeah. Like, what like, is what is that going to make you do? Like, be more hyper observant of your own behavior? Great. You're going to be stuck in your head more often. Other people are too, like, obsessed with their own behavior to notice yours. Yeah. It's just, like, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like, I, ha- I saw, like, the partner of someone I date being, like, asking all their followers, like, am I cringe? And I was just like, who cares? They're like, that means yes. I'm like, no, it means who cares? You're 20 and you don't need to be worrying about this that much. Like, it's not, it's not, there's a cat pawing at the door. Um, (laughs) um, I I thought someone was like trying to unlock it, but I realized it's a cat. Um, But it's like, yeah, you're 20. You don't need to be worrying about like how cringe you are. Just like enjoy your life. And also like you have a very successful career like in the public eye, like stop worrying about it and just enjoy that and all the money you have. Like you of all people do not need to be worried about that. But like, that's another thing altogether. (laughs) It's just like, we don't need to care about how cringe we are. Like we just need to do whatever we need to do. And, and so what have, what is it that you have had to do that you have been doing lately? I know you've been writing this anime series for, um, fan, fan bite. Is that right? Yes, that's right. I've been writing it for Fanbyte. Me and Eric Thurm are talking about uh, Paranoia Agent, which is one of my favorite uh, TV series ever, but also like my favorite animes. It's like the only TV series that Satoshi Khan ever did. Have you ever seen it? I haven't seen it. I have seen his film Paprika, um, but that's it. It's So I rewatched Paprika recently, and it is like pretty similar. Um, I think... Like, he does a lot of, like, surrealist stuff, and, like, it feels so trite to call it, like, Lynchian. It also feels trite to call anything trite, Um, but (laughs) it is very Lynchian. Like, I don't don't know really what else to compare it to or how else to describe it. Like, Like, reality blends with fantasy so much, and it's, like, very concerned with, like, changing society and, like like human character i don't know i i i like satoshi khan's work a lot and yeah it's eric's first time watching it it is like my 13th time watching it um what else have i been up to uh i started a Substack recently uh you know like everybody does these days i mean it's a great um, time for it you know y- yeah i just it's a great like, time feel for like that platform Yeah, I feel like I uh, have a lot of essays that, like, I want to write that aren't necessarily, like, super easy to pitch. Sure, yeah. I've been enjoying writing, like, memoir and personal essays more and more and, like, writing about sex and dating, like, as it pertains to my life um, more and more. And, like, I know a lot of people, like, 
engage with me on social media because they like hearing that stuff and reading about that stuff. So I've like been trying to do more of that. Um, and I have a, like, I have about three essays up on my Substack right now. Um, I also wrote about one, uh, actually about like, unsurprisingly about like kink stuff and like kink discourse and like the concept of like kink shaming, which I, I think is like three different things that people categorize as one thing. What are the three different things? I feel there's like being weirded out by something, um, making fun of something and like saying that something is morally irreprehensible. Mm. And I feel like we categorize that as all one thing. Like, uh, it was just coming up a lot around like when that Army Hammer is it? Is it Army or Arnie? Uh, I think his name Army. is Army. Yeah, <laughs> like Arm and Hammer. Got it. There we go. Um, yeah, uh, when like his like cannibalism fetish stuff came out, and like a lot of people were being like, it's wrong to have a cannibalism fetish, and I'm like, I don't think it is. Like someone wrote like I think there's a difference between like being weirded out by by a cannibal fetish thinking it's wrong and also like i don't know someone i think it was ej dixon wrote an essay on it and like the like the crux of it is like cannibalism a fetish isn't wrong it's wrong when you like engage with a fetish in an abusive way to someone else or like without getting someone else's consent to do that with them which is what army hammer was doing Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the conversations around that when it came out and a lot of them were just like, this guy wants to kill and eat people. Are you kidding me? And, um, you know, obviously he, he did in fact do some, some bad stuff, but I feel like the ways that the conversation happened sort of elided those two things. Um, like, oh, look, Look, he wants to kill any. He wants to. He says he wants to eat people. He's clearly a bad person. And look, he look at all the villains he's played. It's like this attempt to gather all of the evidence and put it on the side of bad person because yeah. then there's no discomfort around. Well, could someone do you know play a bad character or do these things and not be a bad person? And like all of the the. The, the stuff that was much worse to me was like the the infidelity and like the the jerking around his wife and the jerking around these girls and stuff. And then, yeah, also like insofar as he did this stuff just sort of non-consensually, but like I'm much less afraid of someone who set, comes out, of a man who comes out and says, yeah, I fantasize about eating people than I am of someone who, uh, I was going to say that someone who doesn't, that which i'm not totally sure but like i think someone who is able to come out and say those things often is like has already done some work of figuring that stuff out and i have yeah. known people who have you know have incredibly fucked up fantasy lives who are just are will write stuff about like you know murder and just the most vile stuff yeah and they are the sweetest people in the world yeah, some exactly of them. and like it's not that there's not necessarily a connection, I feel like. And it's, I was just kind of. So there's definitely like this public desire to make that connection. Right. We want to make that connection because we, we want things to be clear 
and like we want people who are normal and have like express desires that we consider normal to be good and ones that we consider to be cringe to be bad right and like i'm sure if we could have if people could have found a way of making out that army hammer was actually unattractive and stuff they would have done that too because you know uh yeah they're like look at this guy of course this guy would do it but they can't do it with him because he's like a hot white guy right yeah um like evil people have to be unattractive too right because like attractiveness is so associated with goodness yeah yeah it was it, it people were really willing to make that jump of like this makes me uncomfortable therefore it is more evidence that he is a bad person when like he it would have been just as bad if he had just been cheating and doing good old-fashioned penis and vagina, like missionary, yeah. lights off sex. Like that would have been, you know, if it, 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 when you're like violating someone's consent, it it, it doesn't have to like, have a fetish involved for it to be bad. Right. It's already bad. <laughs> like that's and the bad thing. When that's you're jerking people around, it's it's kind of it's bad regardless of the content. I mean, it can change how bad it is, but like it was um it was weird. It was a weird, like yeah. Um, it was a it was a weird time, and a weird discussions were happening. And this may just be me, but I personally, my experience has led me to be less suspect of men who come out and say, like, I think about you know, beating people's asses until they're raw. I think about tying people up. I think about all this stuff. Then I am of men who say, oh my God, goddess, let me serve you. Oh, like step on me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) because there's this insidious part of the latter and there doesn't have to be, but it's just like, it always seems like, okay, so you feel like you're doing something for these women that you're, um, you're you know submitting to when in fact yeah. the other guy is much more often the one who is who is doing something for for people because insofar as someone like really wants someone to to hurt them like that that guy is doing a service right whereas yeah. in most cases this you know submissive guy is he wants a service to be rendered onto him which is to feel um small and and me and contained and contained control and that's that's for him in his fantasy is that it's for his partner like that someone he's fantasizing that someone else is like he wants someone else to get off on it and they can get off on that it's possible but like also like just the way you even worded those two things was like someone like expressing what they enjoy versus like diving headfirst into the fantasy without even like (laughs) asking someone else if they can be in it and like just being like oh yes goddess please tell me i'm pathetic i'm i'm pay pig i'm like whatever like yeah which like dudes just do in your dms like right for no reason i mean i guess that's sort of like i shouldn't you know i i sometimes will talk shit on those kinds of people and maybe i shouldn't too much because i guess that is really what a lot of people or most people want right is you want someone to want you yeah that's something that you can't like compel because if you did 
then it wouldn't be valuable, right? Then it wouldn't be, it has yeah, to be. Yeah. It has to be, yeah, like I, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah, you like want someone to like want you and to want to be good to you in whatever form that takes, even if right. that's like them beating you or stepping on you or like just like having their attention. Um, what so many people want is like just to feel like safe and contained in a way like even like through fantasies of like helplessness or like violence like to like just feel contained and like they don't have to worry i feel like that's so many people's fantasy in in the end like what so many like submissive and bottoming mm. fetishes like really come down to Place your generally just want to be you know feel valued or feel like seen or feel like people um yeah even if it's even if you want to feel like a person through not feeling like a person you know or like yeah, not being treated, being like, treated like you're not a person yeah right. i think you know that's sort of at the bottom sorry of it <laughs> all the time is um yeah just just being um being seen yeah, I'm so I'm so like interested in the different kinds of fantasies that the people have um just sort of like in an armchair kind of way, I guess. <laughs> um because uh I'm someone who reads a fair amount of fan fiction and the fantasies in fanfic I think are really interesting because of like how different they are from a lot of the fantasies in like porn that is aimed at men uh-huh which isn't to say that like you know that women don't watch porn or anything but just like um these fantasies of just like total dedication of like having like tony stark be like totally like in love and besotted with you you know oh my god yeah um i don't know why you would pick tony stark but that's just the first one that came to mind yeah the war crime um, billionaire right or tony stark being in love with uh with spider-man and yeah. and caring for spider-man and then you can enjoy kind of the the relationship between these two characters who maybe there is a power differential of age and wealth and stuff but also 
you don't have to deal with the the gender issues and that's where like slash fiction comes from right and today we sort of besmirch those people or some people do and say oh you are fetishizing homosexuality and okay sure maybe but also those fantasies like are providing some kind of service or like they're they're telling you something right yeah it's like it's that azealia banks thing where she's like okay so now what (laughs) Uh, (laughs) like i know now what (laughs) said some problematic stuff but i she's great yeah Um, i'll give her a pass on some of the stuff on the stuff that i'm allowed to give her a pass for yeah i mean like just like at the end of the day it's just like it's not actually hurting anybody. It helps. Like, I don't know. I haven't read a lot of fan fiction. The only fan fiction I've read was one someone wrote about me when I was like 13 because uh, I asked them to put me Sorry? in a fan fiction. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember what, what it was about, but they just like wrote some erotica involving me and they were also my age, I should add. Um, well, that does change things. Yeah, that yeah, that recontextualizes it. Um, like does. it was, it was okay, um, and it was like only shared with me. Um, uh, and then uh, a Gara Sazke one, uh, where Gara was the top or the uh, what is it, Seme? Those are Seme and Uke Naruto characters. Yes, Seme and Uke, yeah. I believe, yes, are Yaoi terms, top, top and bottom. Yeah, I think I yeah, I don't know the details. And I'm sure um, my friend LB would be is screaming at me right now for. Yes, semi. Okay, yeah. So Gara, who is the like red haired dude with the like raccoon eyes and like the 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 gourd full of sand. He just carries around sand. Um, He was topping Sazke and using sand as lube, I think. Or like a dick? Or like a a lubed up dick? I don't know. It wasn't like... Sand is kind of the opposite of lube, though, because... (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. Sand is... That's like... Okay, well... That's the only... So I've never... You can see why I never read another fan fiction again in my life. I can see why, yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, if you read a lot of that older stuff this may have changed as the do they use real lube now well see that's the thing like it may have may have changed but in the old days like um of you know draco harry fic or things like that it would just be either nothing or like a spit in the hand kind of thing and Mm -hmm. i think that has changed a little bit as the people writing this fan fiction have become a little more aware of the realities of like the bodies that they're writing about at the same time though it's like okay well if it's a fantasy then like it doesn't have to be like a safer sex or like even yeah anatomically correct like it's the fantasy of not having to lube up an asshole every time you fuck it yeah yeah i mean there's a couple things going on there right like a it's this stuff is mainly being written at the you know or like you know 10 or 20 years ago the stuff was mainly being written by people who were at least ostensibly like teen girls or adult women Mm -hmm. um and so like the fantasy is just that is like not having to 
deal with the power dynamics of like being a woman in a heterosexual relationship. So it's like totally understandable. And also like fiction and erotica and, you know, art or entertainment doesn't have to be, um, doesn't have to teach you either like correct moral values or even the right way to do things. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like, before, uh, like a couple of years ago, no, I think like a year and a half ago, I was still working on like porn sets doing like as a production assistant and an editor. And like, we would always, we always cut to uh, lube up someone's butthole. And I, sometimes <laughs> I would be like, this is so stupid. Why don't we just sh-? like, it's fine. We can just show them like having their butthole looped. But also I'm just like, it doesn't matter whatever if they want to fantasize about an asshole that is already sopping and like slippery i mean and then that's why you got i mean that's one reason why you got omegaverse fan fiction which is um kind of like the natural evolution i would say of the kind of like same-sex pairings where it's like these these male characters who whose anatomy is different in such a way that like, you know, there's in-universe reasons why they don't have to lube up or like why they can get pregnant or like all these things, um, which is is really fascinating to me as like a way of building out this whole like cosmology around your desire to see Kirk and Spock fuck each other. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) I have like heard the term Omegaverse. I have no idea what an Omegaverse is. I don't know that much about fan fiction. Um, you don't need to. Yeah. Great. I think Great. it's just, I just find a lot of this stuff interesting from like a sociological perspective. I just think it's neat. Marge Simpson holding up the yeah. potato. Um, no, I just do. I find it fascinating the ways that people create these like really elaborate worlds um, around fantasies and like how well built out some of these are in ways that yeah. are like, wow, you're doing as much world building for your world where people get so horny that they could die once a month as like Tolkien did for like the history of the elves. Yeah. That's really fascinating and impressive to me. Yeah, no, I totally get that. It's a testament to human ingenuity and horniness. Yeah. Really just like impressive creative writing. Um, Which, which yeah, doesn't have to instruct you on on the the right ways to be yeah it's not um, service writing it's like just yeah creative stuff and yeah there there there's a real place for that kind of thing like i used to write what was essentially an advice column and that was an attempt for me to be like insofar as i feel comfortable doing this here is how you should be <laughs> and um <laughs> it's i d- still you know felt kind of strange sometimes being like well who am i to say but it felt like, okay, I was maybe doing a service to people by by kind of laying out some like, if you want to do this, here's how you could do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also like have done like a fair amount of like service writing in my creative career so far. And like, it's like cool to do it. I like when I get to do it. Um, it's not like what I like want to be doing with the rest of my life. It's just like, cool. I can teach people a few things. and. make a few jokes while I do it and get paid hopefully in a prompt manner for it. (laughs) If you could be paid for anything, 
or if, if money wasn't an issue, what would you want to do? I mean, I feel like I'd still like want to make things and like write. I mean, I would make, I would be making movies definitely. Right. Like I, I like the fantasy of like making movies for me is not tied to like, I would be making more money, even though I do know I would be making more money. Um, but not necessarily if they didn't do well or like we're just like small films. Um, yeah, I just like I would be doing everything I do now with uh, which is like sleep with my friends, date a bunch of people, have feelings, eat a bunch of food, write about it, modify my body and like but do that without like money. I was talking to uh, Connor Habib a while ago, and uh, he was saying something about how, like, yeah, you know, if I think about what my ideal day-to-day is, it's reading a lot of books and having a lot of sex. And I was like, wow, that is a pretty succinct way of putting it. Like, that's, you figured it out. You figured out, like, what you want to be doing, and you're trying to, you know, finding ways to sort of make that happen. And uh, I think I think if if your answer to what would you do if money wasn't an object is basically what I'm doing now, I think that's like a, a really good uh, good place to be. Yeah, I in, guess I haven't really thought ways. about that. I, I like, guess I guess that is true. I mean, it's it's either a good thing or it's a profoundly bad thing. But um, <laughs> let's be positive here. Um, it's a good <laughs> thing, right? Because it means that you are already doing like it means you're already doing a lot of the things that you you want to be doing and that you're you're leading the life that is in tune with your your values and your desires which is great because i mean a lot of people um can't say that yeah uh, for, for whatever reason and often it's not because of them it's because of the world that they live in but um i think i forget that a lot of the time because i just like yeah. get very in my own head about the things i'm not doing which are usually tied to to money actually like the fact sure, that i can't yeah. just like afford to like hire an entire film casting crew and like make a movie and like yeah or like publish like absolutely anything i want at any time and like like no i have to focus on like public like writing things that like have market value so I can be paid for them like I think at the end of the day like my biggest fear about like circling back to like the cringe stuff and like worrying about being cringe is like that being cringe will like on the internet or whatever will like cost me a job I'm like way less worried about being cringe and unfortunately like most people would not think this about me, but unfortunately worried about being marketable a lot of the time. I feel like that's so much of what social media is. And the thing is like, yeah. I, I worry about being marketable and then I do not act off that worry, which I think is actually <laughs> a good thing. I like well, worry about it and then I'm like, I'm going to do this anyway. <laughs> see, by not doing anything about it, you can continue to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is the function of of that thought process because if you if you did something about it you'd have to find something new to worry about so true Um, bestie (laughs) so true um (laughs) yeah that's very pop psychology of me 
but no but it's it's true like i mean like I mean, i'm the same way yeah i like i in my own life have a tendency to like put off things that i know will make me feel good or better like uh i waited like three months to have an endoscopy when I should have just had the endoscopy and figured out what was like going on with my body. Everything's fine. I just should have done it sooner. (laughs) And like, I've like put off certain things that I want to do for like years. Like, I don't know, like I, I admittedly do like having stuff to worry about and be anxious about. And like, probably because I'm having um... like a lot of fun otherwise (laughs) and doing the things I want to (laughs) do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at risk of of being cringe myself, um, I have been thinking about this kind of thing a lot lately because I am someone who is chronically jealous and is chronically envious of other people's accomplishments. And, I feel and the same I, way. I um, I constantly downplay my own and think, why don't why why am I not making a movie right now? Why am I not writing a novel right now? Yeah, I'm happy for my friends, but why aren't I doing that? Um, I feel so I felt the exact same way. <laughs> um, I uh, and so I've tried to sort of figure out, like, okay, well, what what is this about? Is this just about attention and other people getting attention, and you feeling like attention is a limited resource, and that by other people getting it, you're not? Or is this something you really want to be doing? Because if it is, you have to take steps to start doing that thing. And um, it's hard, though, I think, to see those steps being taken when you're doing them. All you can see is how far away the thing that you want to do is, not all of the progress that you've made. Yeah, you can't see, like, any of the steps you only, like, will be, you think that you will only be satisfied when you see the finished product. You're walking, can put it out into the world. Right. You're walking through this endless desert where your steps are covered up immediately by the sand. and, And it seems like everything is just as far as everything else and you're like okay when i finally get to this oasis then i'll i'll feel good or happy or whatever and it's like well that oasis may not ever come so what are you going to do about it like you have to you have to figure things out on the way you know i also think it's like interesting when you were like i'm like at risk of being cringe and then we're like said a like earnest sincere thing (laughs) because i think that's what a lot of us are scared of is like saying something sincere and being like not being irony poisoned enough to like just like caring what people think and caring like i i fully get both that and also like feeling jealous it sucks like i'm like it's been a weird thing for me lately where i'm like oh all my friends are like having book deals or writing on tv shows or working on a movie and i'm doing whatever I'm doing, which is like something like I'm, I'm like, I'm writing, I'm writing and I'm doing it at my own pace. And like, I like get mad at myself when I haven't like finished the projects I want to be working on. Like when my screenplays are like half done, it's like I'm making steps at it. It just like have to do it in my own time. And also like, look at like how my, like try and understand how my material realities are different than my peers who are doing those things, you know? Yeah, just like being, you know, like understanding of yourself and also just <laughs> stepping back and being like, okay, well, but I haven't been doing nothing, you know? I've been yeah. I've been writing things or I've been 
sleeping with people or I've been doing whatever. And like, that is also, you know, if, if that's what I was enjoying at the time, then like, I, then that was a good decision, right? Like, it's not like I'm wasting time. Um, it's so easy to get in your own head around this stuff. Are you telling me I'm valid? I'm telling you you're valid. Thank you. You're so valid. (laughs) Umfi. Um, yeah, like, but like, it is definitely that feeling of like trying to remind myself. I'm like, I've been having fun just because I haven't like been like detailing it and like putting out, like, I feel like it's very like harmful to describe everything we do as content because then it feels like oh, we have to be content. Like, and it also like reduces like the art that we make as like saying it's like not good enough to be art because like we want to downsize ourselves or are told to do it if we like occupy certain social stratuses or hierarchies, you know? No, yeah, it's it's terrible. Um, the drive to to make something out of every experience is to document, to find significance. Um, you can't live <laughs> if you're doing that, you know, like, again, if you're taking this like external perspective on like, how can I, how can I frame or sell this? And it's understandable that people would start to think that way about this stuff, yeah. right? Because if you're trying to sell your work and your self as a writer, or as an artist, there is that impulse, but I think you have to resist that or it becomes this huge weight. Around yeah, that's that. exactly how I was going to describe it. Like it is, it becomes a weight and it's like, also like nice to remember not p- every piece of art like you make has to be like shared with the world. You can just do things for you. Like, I don't know not worry about like how like outside perspectives will look at it or look at you and just like make something for yourself and if you feel like sharing it fine so much for coming on do you want to tell people where they can find some of your art and writing online yeah so you can find me at all this uh, always at the gay chingy um i'm the gay chingy on substack thegaychingy.substack.com is my substack uh where i write memoir and personal essay stuff um also trying to do more media criticism there and also just like in general with my life like um, I do have a, a a column, I guess now with Eric uh, at Fanbyte, which is behind Anime Lines. My name of Anime Endoscopy. Great name, incredible name. Anime Endoscopy was my suggestion, but nobody <laughs> wanted that apparently. Um, and yeah, I'm the gay chingy on all social media. I'm on Twitter too much. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I will see you all next week. The K-Hole is a Fanbyte.com production. 
hosted by Merritt Kay and produced by Jordan Mallory. Follow Merritt on Twitter at Merritt Kay. Follow Jordan on Twitter at Jordan underscore Mallory. For more information on how you can be a good little piggy for goddess, visit fanbyte.com slash podcasts or go to podcastnet.work.